Hi, welcome to Second Rate Film School. I'm Andrew, and as Spooktober continues on, I'd like to take a look at a tradition. A tradition that's been going on for over 30 plus years at this point. Everyone knows that I love Halloween, but I'm sure I probably mentioned it. Maybe not. I don't know. I also love The Simpsons. Now, what do you get when you combine the two of those together? A lot of marketing gimmicks for the past 30 years from Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. So who am I going to talk to about this? Well, I don't know, maybe my darling older sister. Okay, well, first of all, I want you guys to know that Andrew is trying to force me to say I'm glad to be here, which I'm not. I can't believe he is making me do a two-hour Zoom on a Sunday, but here we are. Um, my darling sister will be joining us for the rest of the month as we do commentaries for the first 13 Simpsons Treehouse of Horror specials. Ooh. So briefly, why don't you tell me like what The Simpsons meant to you growing up? Well, first of all, you know, we, I wasn't allowed to watch it um, when it first came out because there was all of that, um, you know, um, static in the ether about um, The Simpsons being bad and that you shouldn't watch it and kids shouldn't watch it and all of that. And I, I find it ironic because mom really didn't monitor anything we watched ever so it was very weird that like she was putting her foot down on the simpsons um but i think it had a negative like it had a reverse um effect in terms of that she just like was saying you can't watch it so obviously i wanted to watch it and so i just started watching it yeah well and i think that comes down a lot to when you have the president of the united states saying we should not be like the simpsons and then you have a 10 year old boy saying bastard, bastard, bastard repeatedly on, in a medium, a cartoon that's meant for kids. I could see where that initial panic came from, but it's now just become so generic. We have theme park rides that, you know, major theme yeah. parks for it. I so. just I just find it funny that mom got on the bandwagon of trying to not get me to watch something. I mean, mom let me like rent movies from Blockbuster that were like R-rated to the point where the manager came out to the parking lot and was like, are you sure this 10-year-old should be renting Jerry Maguire? And mom was like, yeah, I don't care, whatever. Smoking a cigarette, you know, back in the day. The 90s, the 90s was great. You know, that's that was at the height of R-rated movies like Alien and Terminator and Friday the 13th and all that were getting video games and action figures that were aimed exclusively at young kids. This is before you know, men, children like me have action figures on their desk. You know, these, these were exclusively for children. So it was a weird moral panic that was kind of seeping away, but whatever. So that's that, you know, I, so I watched it a lot. It was on, um, I watched it live, but then later as I got older, I would watch it in syndication. There was a Canadian um, channel that I watched when we were growing up that would have it on like after school or whatever. So I, I you know, I watched it a lot and then, you know, a, a lot of times we just like go to sleep to it, which is like, I guess weird, but um, we do. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, I was very much the same. I obviously, given our age gap, was not nearly um, invested as early on during the golden age and the height of Simpsons mania, but it was the thing like, ooh, my older sister is watching this thing that our mom has kind of half-assed forbidden um, either of us to watch. And then I started watching Family Guy, which is arguably even more crass and crude. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, I no, don't I, like. I don't like that you keep emphasizing how much older I am than you. You just keep saying older and older and older over again. Okay, right? I'll um, 
I'll bleep a few of those out. <laughs> Retro. Yeah, yeah just, just put a bleep so it sounds like you're swearing. My <laughs> sister. <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, I... Are, I you, are you like, are you assuming that people know how much older I am than you? No, I have not said that. I just said okay. slightly older. Well, you're, you're making it sound like I'm like 50 years old or something. I am eight years older than you. I think the, you know, the average age gap between brother and sister in this country, you know, people would assume it was not a 30 year age gap, but okay, we're on the record, only eight years, but that eight years was pretty pivotal with the Simpsons. I was born, you know, two months or two um, weeks or months after um, the fourth one of these specials aired, to put it in perspective. So she was getting to watch the golden age as it was on, you know, I got it in syndication. That's again. right would watch okay. it on the CBC after school and the WB also had it. It was a great the hour CBC, for me. CBC, that's right. It was the CBC. Yeah, for me, it was great. I don't know if it was on the WB when you were growing up, but I would come home at like five o'clock. They would have one episode of The Simpsons on the CBC and then they would have the Red Green Show, which is this Canadian like sketch show that I love more than most things. And then on the WB, they would then have at six o'clock um, or one hour later, whatever actually aired, was two back-to-back -back episodes of Simpsons. So I would get three a day. The CBC, I think it was it was on from four to five because I would come home, watch it from four to five, and then I would switch over to Lifetime to watch an hour of Designing Women and then an hour of The Golden Girls. So, and then at seven o'clock on Lifetime, an intimate portrait would come on. There we go. So there you go. There we go. But anyways, back to it. Uh, yeah, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror obviously been going on every year since 1990 there's over 30 of these goddamn things um we're doing the first 13 this year no commitments on whether she'll um, want to come back to do the rest over the next few years but you know these are the best ones i think so you know if we're only going to do one of these might as well do um these ones so all right well everyone join with the countdown and we will get started with simpsons treehouse or number one <laughs> All right, so we are now doing Simpsons Treehouse War, Episode 1, original air date, October 25th, 1990. So I like this opening here. This is obviously a parody of um, the opening to the original Frankenstein, where one of the characters came out and half-assed seriously because it was the 30s and people would, you know, be scared, have the shit scared on them if they um, watched anything. But half-assed to like you know get you excited the guy came out and warned you hey this movie's super scary so marge was coming out here kind of as a parody of that i didn't i didn't know that that was a parody of that yeah and uh, so marge was coming out kind of as a parody of that and also you know there was concern that this was a little more scary than your usual one and i think with the exception of a handful of segments as we go on this one is probably the scariest one like there's obviously lots of jokes but um mm -hmm. They're definitely trying to go for a more disturbing, um, creepy atmosphere, which I appreciate. Yeah. I mean, I should say that the Treehouse of Horror episodes are my least favorite Simpsons episodes of all time. But, um, <laughs> but yes, I'm in. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this is the only one where they don't do creepy credits. Um, you can see, like, they're all just their regular names, obviously, would mm. be creepy like slime dripping now the funny thing is i for didn't realize that as i was first watching through this as a recap so when i saw edgar Allan poe i'm like oh ha ha you're oh, i'm like oh no wait technically he did write the one segment so yeah um yeah it's very funny that this is the only one where the treehouse is actually involved that is the sole reason 
it is called Treehouse of Horror because they are sitting in the treehouse now and it never shows up again as far as I'm aware. I know in the first 13, it does not show up again at least. Huh. That's interesting. It might be later on, but yeah. So, And I think it's a great um, framing device for this one that it's the kids, you know, telling spooky stories, you know, you know, around the flashlight trying to be creepy and all that. And, you know, it's very funny that you see, like, their stories that we see in between the segments are pretty lame and then they get into actual right. good stories. Yeah, because they're written by adults. Yeah. This reminds me, There, I just saw a tweet recently, I'll have to look up who it was so we can give them credit, but it was like, I love the horror genre where it's like, what if the house was a bitch? <laughs> it's like, this is exactly what this is. And I know it's a ripoff of what, Amityville? Or what yeah, it's half Amityville horror, half the poltergeist. Um, when you see like Bart floating around, that's like a direct um, homage to the one scene in Poltergeist with Carol Ann. What if the house was a bitch? Yeah. I, I mean, um, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, there are definitely jokes in here, but I mean, this is certainly disturbing. Blood is just oozing down. Like, and the music, like, um, obviously, yeah, we can't hear it because we're listening to this on mute. Don't want to get copyright strikes. Uh, but the music in this episode is really good. I mean, the music on the show in general is good, but, like, it's got, like, a really good, creepy, kind of, like, I don't know, like, Casio keyboard kind of like 80s horror sound to it. Like, I feel like this could have been like a score for like a Freddy or Jason movie back in the day. Yeah, I hate the voice of the house. It's actually creepy. I think it's like, I mean, it's intended to be scary, but it actually freaks me out. So I don't like it. It's like the, the opening to um, Unsolved Mysteries for you. Yes, that is true. That is horrifying. That still scares me to this day. The, um, the person that made the what if the house was a bitch joke is at Eliza Amber on Twitter. There you go, Eliza. You know, all of my dozens of viewers. Can Eliza! Um, I, yeah, you got to give people credit for their yeah. jokes, man. It's hard out there. Yeah, as I didn't take any notes on who wrote any of these, but hey, whatever. You can watch the credits to find who wrote the episodes. I think um, the people that worked on The Simpsons are doing okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but this is great. You know, like how quickly they're all ready to leave, but Homer doesn't care because he got like a really good deal on the house. Yeah, this goes back to when the house is, or when The Simpsons were super poor and they were trying to be realistic that it does feel in Homer's buffoon nature that, oh, yeah, sure, the house is haunted, but come on, look at how big the house is and how cheap it is. We can't just right. immediately leave. Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously, we get the are you my conscious joke, and like the house is like, uh, yeah, but it's like, this is disturbing. It's like, kill your parents, kill your Yeah. Family. Yeah. It's, it's super. <laughs> I don't, I, I did not enjoy this one. Yeah. I mean, it, again, like we'll get into later ones, like the um, specifically the cannibal teachers one later on, but um, which is disturbing. But I mean, I think this is the most disturbing because it's like, it's played straight for the most part. Yeah, yeah. It's not, like, silly or anything. It's it's legit. Yeah, like, yeah, you got the... I mean, I guess you could say her head spinning is kind of funny, but, I mean, okay, 10 years earlier at that point, you got um, The Exorcist, which that played that straight, and that was fucking horrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. I again I love Halloween so I just I love watching these I don't watch them every year but like when I do um they're great in my opinion and you know again you like just they know like when to cut the tension no pun intended with being revealed no Marge is just making a sandwich and how she just right. admonishes the family 
Right. She has a line here where she says, like, we've had our differences, but we've never gotten into knife fights before, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, she's, she's saying it right here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We've never had knife fights. That, that's, like, my favorite line. And then, yeah, this is where we also get another poltergeist reference on the um, burial ground. But it wasn't an Indian burial ground in the um, original poltergeist. It was just a cemetery. Mm. But, yeah, that takes the old trope of the Indian burial ground being haunted. And it works. I like if you, like, go back and freeze frame on the tombstones. There are a couple funny names on there. Like, yeah, there are a few, like, Pocahontas, but there are um, some joke ones. So, again, those Simpsons writers sure know what to do. Well, yeah, they put Gandhi on there, which is, like, the wrong type of Indian. Yeah. So, ha-ha, racism. Okay. I can't, gotta cancel the Simpsons. Um, yeah, and that's a joke with Bart and Homer being like, uh, he, he mentioned it, he said he mentioned it five or six times. Is a you think, I think the basic, like, design of this house comes up later in, in one of my favorite episodes, which is the, the Marge uh, real estate episode. I think yeah. it, it's the same... It's the same basic design. It looks familiar, I think. And I think they probably just recycled it. Probably. I mean... Um, remember, like, Ned Flanders was, like, screaming bloody murder. And then he was like, ah, I love purple drapes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, and it's a murder house. So who knows? Maybe canonically um, this house does exist. I mean, sometimes yeah. um, these Halloween specials get fast and loose with um, continuity. And we're supposed to just assume these don't actually count by other times. Like, eh, some of the stuff you could imagine happening in the show so you know yeah. there's um there's an episode about like seven seasons ago where it's not a halloween episode and they get abducted by kang and kodos so mm -hmm. like i guess that implies they're real and mm. there's other episodes like that so it's like who knows maybe this segment actually does exist in the yeah. fake world of the show um yeah i like how like march is like talking down to the house like complete um role reversal from like Amityville Horror where they're fucking just running from the house screaming <laughs> she's like trying to like be the stern mother figure yeah Marge is a badass all of my favorite episodes are Marge episodes yeah many of the best were written by friend of the show Bill Oakley check our commentary right. down below um, yeah the house also kind of looks a little bit like the monster slash psycho house and then yeah obviously this is a parody to the end of um Poltergeist mm. Yeah, Lisa's line, uh, you know, Lisa's line of the house would rather destroy itself than be with them, you know, that, that really goes with the early season of The Simpsons getting shit on by society. Um, right. Large, which is great. I think you did this to me one time growing up, the severed finger thing. I don't think I did that. I vaguely recall someone doing it, and it might as well have been you. <laughs> If only I was 30 years older than you, that would have been not, not great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, now we're into our second segment, um, Hungry okay. the Damned. Um, what does Mafia Staff Apron mean? Like, what I, was, I was about to bring that up. I don't know. I, I don't get it. I, yeah, I don't know. I, you, you would assume it would be some parody or, you know, play on kiss the cook but um yeah that's one of these jokes where i'm assuming that might have been a reference in 1990 that people got but that we i mean yeah, i know I you were know. celebrating your 40th birthday um, that <laughs> this is dad lighting the grill yeah because he's too cheap to buy do you know the dad is too cheap to buy charcoal briquettes with the lighter fluid on it yeah yeah our father one time burned his um eyelashes and eyebrows off also using a gas grill because he 
left the gas running and was reading the newspaper instead of using it to light it. So it's we should a mention still around. We should mention that he was a professional chef. So yeah, something else. Hey, you know, outside grills are different than inside. Um, yeah, I like this joke where it's like they need to use two tractor beams to get Homer. Yeah, I, I think what's interesting about, like, Homer is that he's supposed to be, like, super fat, but, like, he just actually is just, like, average size for the most part. So it's, like, right? Like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like, like, they say in one episode um, when they're doing, like, the health thing or whatever, he says he's, like, 239. It's, like, that's not great, but I'm over 239. It's, like, I'm yeah. not, like, yo. Yeah, you don't think of, like, 239 and Homer Simpson. You think, like, Homer Simpson is, like, 300-plus, I would think, based on how many fat jokes they make. Yeah. Well, I think that goes back to the show has been on for over 30-plus years now that, you know, back in the day, it's like, oh, look at him. He's a schlub. You know, he, you know he's a really fat. And then America got a lot fatter in the past 30-plus years. And then right. you look at it, it's like, oh, look, they're lower income. It's like, they have, they're a single income home. They have a giant house and two cars. It's like, you can't do that anymore. So that's why they had to stop doing the poor jokes or because it's like, yeah, it doesn't really work now. Yeah. Um, it's like Frank Grimes said, if you were in any other country, you would be dead by now. Lobsters for dinner. So, um, All right. So we got Kang and Kodos for the first time, but also there is another alien in Sarek, here. Sarek, the destroyer or preparer, I think. Is that yeah. Yeah never yeah, comes he, back again yeah and it's much later on like it's um i can't well i mean you get to see like stock um uh, aliens like in some segments but like it's not till much 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 later on like into the, the 20s of these where they introduce another alien that can actually speak so they're all just stock after this so yeah it's interesting how there were three and then down to two Mm-hmm. But they're a good they're a good duo, so it's glad that they're not trying to do like a three stooges thing with them, right? And then Kang and Kodos are in every Halloween episode going yeah, forward, right? It's yeah. a thing. I think it one or two they have like screwed up and forgot to put them in a, in substance uh, any substantial way, and then they will just put them in the background like as a visual thing. But yeah, for the most part, especially in the early seasons, they will at least have either be in a segment like this or at the very least interject in the middle of a segment which is yeah. nice um yeah this is obviously a parody of the simpsons episode or the, the twilight zone episode to serve man this is like really great lamp shading the um outcome to that episode where the aliens are in fact fattening up the people um to eat them it's a great joke because you initially on first view through think the joke is going to be how stupid are these um, Simpsons that they don't clearly see that they're fattening them up. But then it's no, no, it's actually, no, it's all surface. They were super, super nice in reality, even though they look like monsters. And then we have shots like this. I thought that there, cause it's, so I guess there's like a later episode where they, and it's not, or maybe it is the joy of cooking millhouse as yeah. like a, as a, like a visual gag. It's not in this episode, but I thought it was. Yeah, that's the um, cannibal teacher one a few years ago. Mm. I, I don't even know if Milhouse was, yeah, I guess he was in the show by season two, but not prevalent enough of a joke to be in there. Yeah, I think oh, they, say, they say in here, they show, like, you know, he's not, uh, you can't read what it says, never mind. Um, yeah, but no, it's just great, you know, like, you know, Lisa, like, you think, like, ah, oh, she's the smart one, she's figuring this out, but, like, you know, they say at the end, you know, sometimes you're too smart for your own good. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess the reason they didn't use this alien is all he does is cook. And, you know, you can't do too many cooking jokes with aliens. I mean, I would argue that you could. Yeah. How to cook humans. Yeah. And again, in the, obviously in the Twilight Zone episodes, how to serve man. It's like, oh, it's a cookbook. It's literally to serve man. Mm-hmm. One thing I do like about this segment, and I did not realize this for years, um, when they're listing off their favorite meals, Marge says, ooh, radish rosettes. I never knew what that was. And there's this um, YouTuber who I watch called CR, who does the show called Familiar Faces. And he talks about this segment. And he's like, I had to look up what radish rosettes are. He's like, it's a radish that's cut up to look like a flower. That's your favorite meal, Marge? How sad is that? <laughs> That's the thing with Marge, though. She, like, her jokes are so funny because there's such, like, an undercurrent of just, like, sadness. Like, she's just, like, the bar is so low in her life that she is just, like, so excited about things that are, like, mundane. Like, so she'll be like, potatoes, I just think they're neat. Or, like, she... nature's candy. The, um, the New York episode where she says she always dreamed of being in a Broadway audience. <laughs> You know, like she just like her, her dreams are just they're they're really really low. I and then or like she's like they're and later in that episode, she's like they're window shopping and she's like I wish oh oh man I wish I could buy a new pair of shoes but I already have a pair of shoes. <laughs> it's like you can have another pair of shoes, Marge, but you well, can't exactly. And you know, Bill Oakley in our interview again, link down below. Um, says that, like, you know, he's like, yeah, even though the Simpsons are, like, the parents are portrayed as, you know, being born, like, in the late 50s, early 60s, he's like, you know, we're writing jokes as if, for like, jokes that remind us of our parents, meaning, like, the writer's parents, so, like, we're writing these jokes for these people, like, as if they were born in, like, the 30s or early 40s, so it's like, it feels like your typical, you know, know, family in the 30s and 40s, where it's like, you know, the old saying about, like, the, you know, back then was the average American didn't travel more than, like, eight miles from, like, their home. It's like, you know, and that, that's, like, the thing where it's, like, she plays off, like, a Depression-era mother that doesn't... Yeah, she can't, she, she can't, she she wishes she could get another pair of shoes, but she already is there, so yeah. she can't. Exactly. So that one was better than the first one, but now we go into the worst segment of this, which is literally just a retelling of... Uh, what the Raven? Raven. Yeah. Um, um, see, I really like this because this is something you would definitely not see in a modern Simpsons episode, where it's just them like doing a straight retelling, and the only jokes yeah. come from Homer, the humor of Homer saying all these words when they have him quote it, or um, the Bart Raven, and like just some like it's almost very like Tom and Jerry, Lord Looney Tunes esque with some of the slaps here, and that's the only humor. I do like it, but yeah, they would definitely not now i just think also it's interesting where it's like so you know they're getting all like we talked about they're getting all this shade about like it being so bad for kids and like how it's setting the wrong example and it is literally a straight retelling of a literary classic um you know in cartoon form and and you know but they're like don't watch it it's horrible for kids and it's like this is literally it's like they're they're reciting shakespeare in cartoon you know, yeah, I mean, it's so silly. You know, yeah, and I mean, I know a lot of kids, and I know, hey, you know, this was shown to me several times throughout um, 
school like at Halloween time we would, would watch it in English class so I got the teacher be like okay I'll bring in my VHS copy of um, this show you know and we could watch oh yeah yeah because they were going to be the cool teacher right yeah, like you're gonna get but we never got to watch the full episode just this like one you know five minute segment but you know still to be able to watch the Simpsons in school it's like oh that's so cool yeah. um yeah I mean I tried when I was re-watching this I had like a copy of the Raven open reading along with it to see like how closely it followed it and they like um only deviate a little bit like they cut some segments out for a time i think it would be way too long if they tried doing the entirety of it but you know it's literally just with the exception of you know bart doing eat my shorts and a few jokes like that um is just a straight retelling of it so i mean yeah it's also james earl jones narrating right yeah james earl jones so he um will return down the line he's in the um trias of four with time and punishment he's the voice of maggie in that segment so he's you know oh, running right. the show yeah and he was one of the early on celebrities who's actually credited as like themselves where they're not given like a pseudonym because celebrities were kind of still embarrassed to be on the simpsons at the time yeah that's right including michael jackson Ooh. <laughs> So, um, yeah, no, I, and I like the design here, you know, like, obviously there's more iconic designs and, um, of the Simpsons characters for the Halloween segments, um, as you go on, you'll see them, but I do like Bart is the Raven. I think that should be more often used in their decor for Halloween. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's cute. It's fine. Yeah. I just, um, yeah, I don't, I don't like this one. Yeah, I mean, like I said, yeah, this is the... You know, and it's very much I'm a hipster in the sense that I like a lot of the early seasons for their charm. Particularly, I, I like season one a lot more than most people just because it's just so simple. Like, they're not, you know, as we see as we go on, these Halloween specials get huge, like, scopes, <laughs> nukes going off, you know, zombie armies and shit like that. Huge alien invasions. But it's like, you know, them being like, oh, we're going to do a parody of the Raven where we just do the Raven straight up or... We're going to do a straight-up Amityville horror story with The Simpsons. It, I think is definitely unique, and you you don't see it like it very quickly once we get to number two and on transition to more goofy stories and more definitive parodies. Because I mean, this Bad Dream House one is you know loosely you could say it's a haunted house genre in general. The Hungry Other Dam does obviously to serve man, and then this is the Raven. But like moving forward, it's like you can clearly tell, like, okay, this is a parody of something specifically. But right, yeah. But now we're in the Tom and Jerry segment. You know, we even got like the freaking birds around the head, like an old Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah, I just can't believe this is still going on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah, no, he's dropping all the um, Edgar Allan Poe head books on his head. You know, I don't think we should disparage our uh, one of the greatest writers in American history. Just saying. Mm. I don't know. What else did he write? The Telltale, the Telltale Heart. Heart, Pit in the Pendulum, The Cask of Amontillado. Well, that was my favorite reading growing up. Amontillado. Whatever. I didn't pay attention that much, I guess. What, what was the... He wrote that? Yeah. What, am I thinking about something else? 
Oh, I, by the way, I like this joke where he's like, yeah, it's pretty tame. Like, Friday the 13th, part one. It's like, you know, this going back to what I was saying, that in the 80s and 90s, a lot of horror things that should not have been allowed for viewing for children are yeah. um, given to children. And then this is a by a joke that, like, Homer is more scared than they are. Yes. Um, yeah, so that's, we're wrapping up on the first ever Treehouse of Horror segment. It definitely is groundbreaking had they only done this one um, i think it would still be a notable like little easter egg or like hidden gem of the simpsons it's like how people still be like oh yeah you know yeah they've done tons of christmas ones but you watch the first christmas one you know that that's the things like yeah i know it's the old janky animation but i think had they never done another one this still would be you know nicely viewed by the fan base we should do the christmas ones that would be fun yeah and maybe this year so, and then we get the closing credits, we get the nice um, blanking on what's called, um, oh god, I'll have to like put it up, but like this, like almost like organ type instrument that you saw in like these 50s B movies a lot. Um, a Wurlitzer? Not a Wurlitzer, built in Buffalo. Um, oh fuck, what's it called? They were used like in all those shitty Ed Wood movies. Um, I don't know, but like it's very like, yo, got like an electric... If it's, not a, if it's not a Wurlitzer, I don't care. Yeah. So, all right. Well, join us for episode two in a few moments. All right. And we are back now doing Simpsons Treehouse Horror number two, our original air date, October 31st, 1991. Only one of two to actually air on Halloween, surprisingly. Hmm. Yeah. And 11 of which so far have aired in November. So... That's great. Um, really? Yeah. Well, a lot of them I actually found out when I was looking this up, getting the episode numbers and all that. A lot of these were the first episode of the seasons um, as they went on, like, they, which is great. I mean, we don't think about that, obviously, because, you know, we watch them in syndication. It's like, yeah, the first episode didn't air until mid to late October. Um, right, so now we're back. Obviously, they did the Marge joke again, doing the Frankenstein thing. This time, they at least acknowledge it, and it's not that scary. Um, we're getting a lot more funny tombstones. We got a few last time, but now they're really focusing on them, and now we have the creepy titles. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. This one, um, I was surprised that it was so early, because even though I don't really like the Treehouse episodes, this one, I think, is probably one of the strongest, and it's definitely one of my favorites, so I was surprised that it was so early on in the series. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I really like this one, too. As much as I like the first one, this is the one that I think is when it really started getting the... You got all the hallmarks of the creepy you know, names and the gravestones, like I said, but you know, this is when you really get into the wacky horror elements versus light, wacky horror, the first one. I love Lisa's costume. She's always like trying too hard. And like, she's like, I didn't select this for mobility. She's always trying to make it a, a point. And I just love it. It's very Lisa. Yeah. Yeah, this is still like early on. Like, if you rewatching like the first season, it's like, yeah, she's still more insightful than the rest of them, even Homer. But like, she still acts like a kid at times. So this is like when you started transitioning into Lisa being the smartest and wisest one of the family, and like, yeah, most thoughtful. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, this sums up Halloween, just like getting a shit ton of candy. I know I can, as an adult, buy a bunch of candy if I want, but yeah, there was something like great about going out and 
getting candy from strangers, something that society taught us we should never do, but mm -hmm. over that one day a year you can do it. Mm -hmm. um, I love how this early season Simpsons who are poor going to Morocco because Homer <laughs> mistook it for Monaco, as we just heard. Yeah. And I quote that Bart line, anytime I see someone do anything amazing, I'm like, I can do that, but I don't want to. Yes. Yeah. We have Hank Azaria here um, as the shopkeep owner here. He does a great bit with this, and it's um, it's just great here. You know, when he's talking about it, he's like, I used to be what was the prime minister of the country they're in, or, or yeah, president of Algeria. Yeah. I don't want to hear your life story. Pause. <laughs> you know, and this is based on, like, a real, like, thing like a monkey's paw is a, a real story short story and it's become like a thing of pop culture it's a very popular subreddit on reddit where you'll like do like make a wish and you know people will try and come up with ways to twist it around which is obvious as we see the whole purpose of the monkey's paw mm -hmm. and i like how he just has to pay two american dollars this is fine everything's great mm-hmm this is great them fighting over peace on earth or x-ray specs yep it's very true to their characters yeah. it's, it's just great you know we had the early part in morocco and now we're back in springfield and you know immediately jumping into the wishes and um yeah it's great how um they they've much like the human counterparts monkeys only have four fingers in this world too so no fifth wish for the simpsons oh that's funny i didn't think about that yeah well, technically, three fingers and a thumb before being mm. overly. Yeah, she wanted a new pacifier, so she got it. Yeah. That's the only one that doesn't have a negative twist, really. You don't like, you know, you yep. think that would it would explode after a while or like something like that. But um, yeah, I always say watching this segment, this is now um, when you start seeing people hate The Simpsons, they inadvertently predicted their fan base thirty seasons on. <laughs> Don't you think that like, so, so this, I guess this was only the second season. So, but it, it was already in Simpsons mania. They were basically sending up what was going on right now. Right. Like she, like yeah. she says, if I hear one more thing about the Simpsons, I'll scream. Right. Like this was like, what was like the chat, like the industry chatter of what was going on back then. Right. And like the merchandising and stuff like that, that was already happening. Yeah. Cause you very much had the people who were obsessed with it. And then you had the people who like, you know, like we said, like our mom and President George H.W. Bush, the two are yeah. very common. Um, but yeah, but yeah, like that there was the backlash from, I think, mainstream that this was still reasonably underground um, in yeah. a sense. You know, it's not, like I said, now a theme park and all that um, yeah. at the time. And it's like, yeah, that was, I think a lot of people were just getting sick. It's like, it's a fucking cartoon. I mean, right. you really think in the time before social media, like the fact that like, people at large were hearing this much about a tv show like that is crazy that just shows how popular it was well it was all i mean yes it was very popular but also like there would there there was more limited um things to watch right like sure. so when you when you think about like shows like back in the 70s and 80s it's like were they really popular or was it just because there were four channels so. I mean, it's like the mash finale still has the number one thing so it's like yeah you, you had a one in three shot of watching that show that right right um yeah get kane kodos to come back and then you know i i'd like to thank you know even though none of these are ever connected 
that this is the first time they're seen as evil, it's connected to the original one where they've gotten so pissed off at humanity because of the Simpsons. That's why they're now always trying to take over the Earth in mm. one. So yeah, go figure. They're actually evil. <laughs> and but I love like how love like they're also stupid to the point that like they only have clubs and slingshots. <laughs> like it's just so great for them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like that. Wish we saved an A bomb or two. Didn't did they say yet? Like oh 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 no wait they get it back after I'll I'll save it yeah. when when Flanders finally yeah. solves everything. Of course Flanders solves everything. Yeah. No, I love I love this is one of my favorite jokes in the entire series. Him wishing for the sandwich and like trying to make it perfect and. I one time did that on the subreddit wishing for a turkey sandwich and mm -hmm. like people are coming up with things like someone stole it from you and then they got fired and other like things but only one person got the thing and he quoted literally this entire thing the turkey's a little dry <laughs> yeah the turkey's a little dry and it was great um it's the great turkey. when homer gets mad this is what he actually becomes intelligent like getting very smart sounding like what was me, buddy? Yeah. I also like how even though the alien invasion's still on, they're just like living their lives normally, just taking out the trash. I also love the um, the, like this is a through line of just like Flanders, just like like ever. The sun always shines on Flanders, like no matter what, like things like happen well for him. Oh, I love that. So that's the line I was talking about. He's got a board with a nail in it. Yeah. Um. Side note, because that will probably be picked up. Amanda's cat, Elvin, is sitting for her, so you might hear his purring from time to time. Oh, sorry. That, that's fine. Just want people to know. Yeah, and I like this um, line. I don't know if it's a specific reference, but it always felt like uh, the original day of the Earth stood still when um, the alien is, like, warning humans why, you know, not to continue building more, bigger and more powerful bombs and all that. So it's, it seems like it's a reference to that, which it's a good joke. Bored with a nail in it. But yeah, no, everything's coming up Millhouse, as one could say, for Ned Flanders in this case. And then, like, yeah, yeah, I always think of the one where it's, like, the house catches fire. And he's like, oh, look, it's right in Flanders' house. Ha ha. And then, like, a rain cloud appears and puts yeah, it exactly. and rainbow comes on. Um, yeah, if we see one of the early Krusty the Clown products here is the Krusty um, clock. This is before, I think, Krusty was known for his shoddy materials, at least. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> It would be catching fire now if it were there. So I think this next segment is like one of the best ones because um, yeah. it's like it's actually it's like actually really unique in concept and it's also like the scariest thing I can think about as someone being able to read your thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it's obviously you know it's a homage to the um, Twilight Zone episode. Um, it's a good life, which is like one of the creepiest ones because yeah, it's a little kid who yeah. can will you know you to do anything so like in the show like it's like we're gonna eat candy all the time and like all the adults just kind of have to like put up with it right um yeah it's great and i fun a fun reference with that um several years earlier in the mid 80s when they made the twilight zone movie but that movie where they would do a few segments they did a segment of that episode it's a good life and nancy cartwright is ironically in that episode as mm. one of the um, family members who's getting tormented by the young kids so she got to have her um come up and or get her revenge i suppose when she got to be the one doing it 
it's great. Oh, I love that line. Don't they? Oh, good. The curtains are on fire. <laughs> They're just like broken. Corn cob curtains. Again, it feels very like 1950s America. Just like, yeah, you got that stupid shit. You would go to your grandparents' house and see stuff like that. Yep. Oh, like, yeah. oh yeah. You're the one who can, has the gnarly powers. Yeah. Yeah, we're all going to die. <laughs> Otto's, I love that Otto show up. So I know you can't do much with the character, so that's why there's only been like two episodes with him that like is yeah. our main focus. But I, I love Otto so much. Yeah. Maybe because I'm, I guess his age now. I don't know. I, he's supposed to be in his mid twenties. I think so, but he always looked old to me. Yeah. Well, that was like the thing Bill Oakley said that that's why um, him and Josh Weinstein like wanted to go like off to do Mission Hill was like they realized. With the exception of Otto and the boys, there's no teenage to early 20s characters in this show. So yeah. It's an interesting gap that, yeah, they never really have done. I mean, otherwise, I guess you could bring Roy in, but that doesn't work too much. Roy. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Skinner singing, so I wonder if this um, inspired them to have him in the B-sharps later on. Because, I mean, he's singing like an old-timey old yeah. um, beat, yep. like, you know whatever you want to call it. It's a barbershop quartet song. Right. Yeah, I love the phone call here. It's just like, he can't get mad. So he, it's just, it's no no longer even funny or clever. It's just, he's making most sing, say a right. bunch of random words. We also miss that he, uh, that they changed the name of the country to Boner Land. There you go, yeah. I think that's every kid's fantasy that they could change, like to make sure they always get the good grade. So that does feel real in Bart's. And he's like, I don't need to study. It's like, it'll be right. Yeah. I love the design of um, Snowball 2's <laughs> design. <laughs> yeah. And then this is the ball is turning to a bald fat man. <laughs> It's like it's a just a great joke like yeah, again like it's a disturbing concept and it was a disturbing twilight zone episode but they know exactly how much humor to inject into it yeah it's good that bart did that <laughs> oh so <laughs> this so this thing is grotesque that he just has to like do his show 24 <laughs> 7 <laughs> a little boy won't let me stop yeah. <laughs> now to get my uh, you know, like over the counter um, you know like stay up wake up trucks and <laughs> yeah, slowly is, going insane this is fucked up I love the um, taxi cab showing up and like how calmly he's about to smash <laughs> his son's head in yeah and this upcoming design of um, Homer as the Jack in the Box that's um, been a reoccurring design that you will often see of him I think probably second to maybe the donut head homer from um an upcoming one but um yeah and this is a reference specifically to the twilight zone this is what the, um, the kid does so you do. see that boner land again <laughs> yeah like just so chock full of jokes but um yeah that's actually how the twilight zone episode ends he turns like the you know father's friend who tried killing him into a jack-in-the-box and it's um oh really yeah and it was portrayed really horrifyingly because it's like, you know, it's the 60s, so they don't have the best effects, so it looks even creepier to see a man's head on a jack-in-the-box, and it's right. fucking horrifying. Yikes. And then I love that joke. Oh, Homer, you're agree with me. No, the AC's on. Oh, anyway, man. The court 
courtship of Eddie's father type montage here of like right. getting close. <laughs> Shooting guns. Because America. Yeah, very wholesome. Yeah, I think if they did this joke now, they would show them like going to um like going to like a strip club or something like to subvert it, but yeah, you know, like that is you know that you know gun joke aside was wholesome 1950s ask like oh hunting with your dad get your red rider bb gun and all that. sure sure but um yeah that's great that this plays into this is how it's a nightmare him actually getting close to his father is right. straight is the horrifying element. right right i also like how they animate this as if this is live action because you could obviously animate him turning back into a human but they do a cut as if they need to physically cut the prop out and put the human back in there mm. it's like when they um, do like you know two people on the same screen like clones they still shoot it as if it's like the patty duke show and they have to like splice two film strips together it's a little joke i've always enjoyed with them mm. And now we're getting into um, If I Only Had a Brain. You know, this is the first segment with Mr. Burns in it, who becomes a reoccurring villain across all these. So, you know, weird he wasn't really in the first one at all. Yeah, he wasn't in the first one at all. So it's now making up for lost time by making him the villain of this one. Yeah, and this starts off as a very, like, Mr. Burns-esque storyline. This is probably, until you get to the robot, the most realistic depiction we've probably seen or ever will see in one of these Simpsons triassic of him just firing a guy because he hates him personally. Right, right. <laughs> I'm just noticing the camera now. It's great. Um... Yeah, I, they're actually in the, um, I don't know, wait, did you ever play that um, virtual Springfield game from the 90s? No. They actually have a reference to this where, like, you can go through, like, Mr. Burns's like, bookcase into, like, a lab that doesn't exactly look like this, but I always thought it was supposed to be an homage, and I think you could see the robot in the background, though. No, that's cool. Yeah, they should remaster that game. Get on it. Disney Interactive, I guess, now? I don't know who would make the game. I don't know. I was thinking Boxing about... Interactive doesn't exist anymore, so they can't do it. Do you remember the Nickelodeon Director's Lab? That was the best CD-ROM game of all time. I still have it, and um, my buddy, ha Jacob, has a computer that can play old games. By the way, $28 an hour um, in 1991 translates to $54 an hour, so I would gladly take a grave digging job for that. $54 an hour is pretty good. I will take a grave digging job for $28 an hour still. That would be good. Dad, Dad would love that. Get really getting an ROI on your Ithaca college degree. You know what? Whatever, 54 bucks an hour is more than I make, so whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I just love Homer falls asleep in a grave for the day. Yeah, and this is a creepy shot. That's um, an homage to the original Frankenstein when um, Frank, Dr. Frankenstein and his assistant Fritz, not named Igor, didn't get an Igor until the third Frankenstein movie. Fun fact. Hmm. Um, are going through to dig up a body and obviously this is very frankenstein-esque where they get a bad brain to put into the monster in this case robot's body so good homage to that classic movie the booger man i love that yeah. i love that like one he's just so out of touch he doesn't know it's the boogeyman and two just the the reading of that line is hilarious to me 
And again, like how evil he is. He just beats horse with a shovel, I guess. Stop staring, Smithers! <laughs> yeah, the ice cream scoop. <laughs> this is a rocket science. It's brain surgery. The booger man. This yeah, is this gross. Is, yeah. This is horrible. Yeah, look at me. I'm Davy Crockett. Jesus Christ. Maybe maybe Bush Senior had a point that kids shouldn't have been watching this show. Um, but yeah, I like how the robot like looks like Homer. Like the electrodes on it like form like the M shape on his hair and the two like curves on the top. It's a clever design. Yeah. I'd buy an action figure of this. Because I'm a man child with disposable income. The most dangerous thing in the world. You do not have disposable income. You should be putting it into a Roth IRA. <laughs> My 50-year-old sister's advice, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I love how, like, even though it's, like, a program, he can still see donuts and the free will of Homer is still there. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I especially love when he's napping. It's like, you're a robot. You don't need to nap. Yeah. Yeah, I love, hey, yeah, Johnny Carson is still around. I love this. Like, the kids are so ambivalent to their father's presence. They don't realize he's been gone for two days. Yeah. Well, what do you know? She's right. Yeah. A little bit of a holdover of bratty Lisa that she doesn't have concern for her father. That would just be a Bart line now if they did this yeah. joke. Yeah. I was wrong to play God. Mm-hmm the most human Mr. Burns has ever been in that one exact moment and then we quickly turn the corner of flush the brain down the toilets <laughs> it's 11.45 oh, sad puppy dog yeah, and this was before they had really started doing the um, gay smithers um, love affair for um, Mr. Burns so it's very funny that one of the earliest jokes is Mr. Burns reciprocating feelings for him almost well, it, yeah, it actually is, is, like, you'll see, like, little, like, sweet moments where, like, one, I mean, not, it wasn't a sweet moment where he's beating a man <laughs> to, out of consciousness, but he was trying, like, Smithers was scared, so he's like, stop scaring Smithers, and then it was like, oh, okay, you want me to do this, I guess I'll do it. You know, and for all the jokes that they do about how weak Mr. Burns is, the fact that he's able to survive this long, um, He's a little bit more durable than I would expect. Yeah. This is a little bit before they do the, you know, trying to explain all the germs trying to enter his body. It's, you know, I love that joke. So you're saying I'm impervious. Oh, no, no, not not at all. You know, like even a slight priest, impervious. <laughs> I tried to scream, but my mouth was full of flab. Yeah. I love the realization that apparently this is actually real now. Um yeah, they don't do that often, obviously. This never comes up again, so this obviously isn't canon, but I like the implication when they do next week on The Simpsons, you know, and imply <laughs> right. it's going to be a permanent thing. Right, right. Yeah. Or is this? But, yeah, and then, you know, this is where we get the tag in. You know, it would make sense that this is where you would see, I don't know if um, 1991 Simpsons tags were formatted like this with the announcing next week on the simpsons but it works regardless um yeah so well that was simpsons treehouse of war number two all around better than the first one but 
there's still best to come, I guess. Yes. Right, goodbye. All right, welcome back. We are now doing Simpsons Treehouse of Horror number three, original air date, October 29th, 1992. Um, yeah, I love the Hitchcock uh, presents opening credits. You know, it makes sense with Homer being a fat guy and all that. Um, Dan Castellaneta does a good um, Homer doing an impression of Hitchcock. Good evening. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, they're really lampshading the first two openers of them saying it's scary, and now they're just, like, openly having Homer mocking anyone who's afraid of it. So. Bunch of crybabies. Religious types, mostly. <laughs> I mean, this shows you how old this is, that they show the TV shrinking down into a dot. Like, it would just go black now. So a lot of these jokes no longer work in the... 21st century but I, also, I also like marge being like that's not a bible that's a book of carpet samples <laughs> I love that joke. Um, yeah and we're getting a little ahead of it but um yeah we're still back to the creepy credits in the graveyard but this is the first one to have a separate um spooky couch gag as well mm-hmm. those, are, those get pretty creative as well um you know this one just starts off as skeletons but they get pretty gruesome and crazy going on which is a lot of fun Mm-hmm. Oh, that math merchandise and groaning. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think this is my favorite of the wraparound segments of them having a Halloween party in the house. Yeah, yeah, it's well done. You know, you get them interacting a lot more versus, you know, last year you got um, each individual person waking up and then adding on to Lisa going to Bart's bed and them going to their parents' bed. But now you have the entire family all the time, plus, you know, like, 20 kids and then grandpa and then later Ned Flanders and I love the idea of Bart um, dressing up like Malcolm McDowell from Clockwork Orange yeah that's beyond inappropriate (laughs) again as a little kid I didn't get it I'm like I don't know why he's dressed up as this and I'm like wow but yeah I love this is Marge's idea of a fun Halloween party is like well of of course it is because Marge is so endearingly lame it's great (laughs) So it's starting to show the Simpsons have a little bit of money if um, they're just willing to get rid of a steak and get them of Homer eating cold ste- cold pasta and steak. Yeah. Well, it was an evil game. That's <laughs> great. Yeah, him being one of the, what is it, the Droogs? Yeah, oh, yeah nope. he's Malcolm McDowell's main character, yeah. Yeah, no bueno. Those guys were not good guys. I mean, come on. Name one specific scene that's really uncomfortable to watch in that movie. Go mm. on. Do you know that my high school boyfriend made me watch that, and that's how I knew I was gay? There you go. My <laughs> ex-girlfriend showed me that movie, and then our relationship fell apart. So we've lost relationships since, um, I don't know, 2002? I don't know when you watched that. The joke would have been better if you said, and that's how I knew I was also gay. <laughs> Listen, I'm on dating apps. So i got to keep myself open. <laughs> Right, all right. Did you know Facebook has a dating app? Oh. Yeah. Yikes. I love this house of evil. Um, yeah, this is very reminiscent of um, the monkey's pasta segment, right down to having Hank Casaria voicing the mystical um, foreigner. Right. The, um, you know, evil. And then, yeah, I mean, this whole segment with the Froger is great. Going I love the Froger. You can see the monkey paw there. The monkey paw is there, so... Yeah, the, well, because you don't recall this because you weren't born, but in the early to mid-90s, the Froger craze 
was it swept America. And it, I remember we had a TCBY in our hometown and it was a big deal after soccer if you got to go get TCBY. Yeah, we played soccer a lot growing up. Should I put the photos of us in our soccer uniforms up? <laughs> if you want. I mean, they're not I great. You to say they're going to kill me. Yeah, yeah, we. I mean, I, I, I didn't. I was wearing like a full-on watch in one. Like, do you, do you notice that? Like, I was yeah. like, why did I even need to wear a watch at eight years old? I don't know. I mean, if that's not evidence that I was gay, I was wearing a watch with a soccer uniform. There you go. I don't know. Like, why do four-year-olds need cell phones now? Whatever. Yeah. No. I mean, by the way, I like that joke. The grandpa. It's like it's an evil toy. Grampy. You've been saying that about every toy. I want attention. Um. And it's also reminiscent of what uh, he ends up doing um, in uh, the Simpsons movie, right? He's yeah. like freaking out. This is a really good segment, actually. Yeah. This is funny. Yeah, I, this is like my first one that I love all the segments. Um, really, like, I can quote them. Like, even though I love the Monkey's Paw one and love Hungry of the Damned, it's like, this is the one, these are the ones I can quote the most of, I would probably say. <laughs> the, isn't it the one where it's like the the doll tried to kill me and the toaster's been laughing at me yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and you know this is uh, you know um re- you know doing a homage to um child's playing you know, the chucky doll movies that were right. in the 80s and 90s but also there was a terrifying episode of twilight zone called talkity tina where they do this and um it's very funny my my one note on that is they got June Foray, who was the voice of Rocky on Rocky Bowling, Cold Granny, um, this, you know, Looney Tunes and, like, every other thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, yeah, this joke of Patty saying, the last lingering of my sexuality, heterosexuality, go figure, 12 seasons later, we would get an episode about her coming out of the closet. There you go. Um, but they got June Foray to the voice of this doll called Talkity Tina, which apparently she had done the voice of the original Chatty Cathy, so I'm sure the fucking mm-hmm. makers of that toy fucking hated that episode. It's like, you even got the voice actress to do it? God. Have you ever watched Chucky? Like, I, I had never seen Chucky until I was an adult, and it's, like, so bad. Like I saw them growing bad. up on Sci-Fi Channel, and they kill from the second one where he suffocates a man with the dry cleaning bag haunts me to this day and i know like watching them now like they're like oh yeah these are dumb it, it's it, the later ones like bride and chucky are fun because it's like that's when they knew it was getting schlocky you know yeah you get jennifer tilly in there but yeah just so bad they're still making them yeah <laughs> Yo, guess who's bad boy yeah here comes the line by the way this is one of the few times we see that hallway the toaster's been laughing at me that's where the um, rumpus room is, that hallway, but we never get to see it. The often. rumpus room. Yeah. Um, one real world thing I like about this, um, the as we'll see coming up, that the um, toy, like, they come in and like, oh, you know, it's, yeah, that's the problem. You have to switch. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> this this guy. <laughs> switch sets of evil. Wait, yeah. we should, I want to go back because they, like, so when Marge is on, um the phone whenever they're calling people they they have really good hold music so this one was like everybody loves a clown so why don't you um and another one where homer loses maggie and he calls the baby police come baby come back <laughs> it's, it's just very good yeah um 
or um or or when um you know the the boxcar racer one where he i don't know he was i don't know why he was on the phone but it was like there, there was, was like a calling whole, the parenting hotline yeah the parenting hotline and what was it was like cats in the cradle or something yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just sobbing on the phone yeah uh, but then when he's in the mental institution it's you know crazy but <laughs> yeah, crazy that yeah that was probably the best one yeah, uh, but I love the um, going back to the real world thing with that with the doll set to evil. Um, our one cousin actually had a Krusty the Clown doll that talked, and if you pulled the string, it would just say you know generic Krusty the Clown stuff that you would hear him say in the show. But if you opened up his back where the battery was, there was an evil switch, so it would have quotes from this episode on it. That's funny. That's a, like that's like a very um, well designed product. Yeah, that's. That was great. Um, yeah, I love hearing, you know, they have Grandpa telling the King Kong parody. Um, I I hate this. Like, I think it's so lazy. I don't I don't know. This is just like the Raven. It's like, I don't, it's not an original story. I don't know. There's more jokes into it, though. But, I mean, I love King Kong. There so, you go. Yeah. But, um, no, I like it. You know, and I, there are definitely good jokes here. I like when he says, you know, women, women and semen don't, don't mix. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can agree with you because we know what you th- think. <laughs> that's what that, that's I think that's the funnier line than women and semen don't mix. Yeah, we but know. yeah, I love like a lot of the visuals are like done as if like it is King Kong's like that shot that was like clearly a model in the thirties because they couldn't they couldn't get closer because it was very clearly a model. So I do like the little visual homages. It goes back to what I was saying. It's like they're still shooting or animating it as if this is live action and they have to deal with their being models and all that. And they have later on when they do the close-up of Homer smiling from a low angle is a direct um, lift from the original King Kong movie. Right. Go go without the bathing beauty. Yeah, that's it. I think I covered that up pretty well. And I mean, I can get it. Um, I do prefer when their parodies are a little less on the nose, where it's like, yeah, the, you know, the Hunger of the Damned, yeah, it's specifically that Twilight Zone episode, but it's also an alien one. The Haunted House one is specifically Poltergeist and Amityville Horror, but it's a Haunted House one. But um, no, I've, I've always enjoyed this one, and it, actually recanting what I said earlier, I think um, King Homer is probably one of the top two um, depictions you see of Homer, like whenever they do products of um, this. And actually, that's if you paid attention to the Burger King toys I held up at the very beginning, you know, King Homer is one. Of, yeah, this is the shot that's directly lifted from the movie. Mm. Um, I this. Can get it live on Broadway. Dead Muscle Monkey Stew to the Army. <laughs> Jesus. And it's great because they do make a joke in here about how stupid a concept of King Kong on Broadway is. It's like, wouldn't he be better in a zoo? Like, we're just going to put him on a stage for two hours with an intermission? How does that work? Didn't they do a King Kong on Broadway? Right? They, they did a King, King Kong musical? I think they might I, have. I, I, maybe, but literally king kong and broadway in universe just like any movie you see he's just standing on a stage and like you know shit goes wrong immediately so you don't see what's like what the fuck is the rest of the show supposed to be just there the stage. so there was a king kong broadway musical there you go i love this he's so weak he gets gassed by the gas grenade and smithers has to do it for him It shows you how powerful Mr. Burns is that he lasted a lot longer from the gas grenade than Homer did. 
That's right. Yeah, and then great joke. He just eats Smithers, and he's like, yeah. oh well. Start, this is when we start getting the body counts growing for the um, Simpsons Halloween <laughs> specials. Start very earnestly. Aw, poor Homer. Yeah. I like how this reporter is just the reporter guy from the um, Three Eyes, uh, or the fish one where he runs for mayor. I'm blanking what the name actually is. Do your research, Shutton. <laughs> right? That's him. Yeah, yeah. They didn't even have to redesign him. They already made him look like an old-timey 30s reporter that yeah. it just worked. They didn't have to yeah. do anything. He's the one that like left because there was a there was a squirrel that looked like Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Squirrel that looks like Lincoln shots. I think you're making him angry. It's, it's great. Run amok in downtown Springfield. Yeah, and I love how, like, again, this is when they start putting the... the the writer starts saying screw the audience and just like, we're going to put the Empire State Building in the middle of Springfield. Whatever. You know, we don't care what the geography of the show, if it makes sense or not. It's, it really fucks with the nerds, and I love it. They say that a lot on Futurama, too, that they would get hate mail from some of their fans. Like, anytime they would change the layout of the spaceship, that they would get pissed off because they'd have to redesign their models. And it's like, whatever. Yeah, we're getting mean-spirited killing Shirley Temple. <laughs> who was ambassador to some country from back at this point in time. I like that he liked her and then he ate her. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, oh, that's fun. I like the singing. All right. Yeah. That's yeah, another shot left from the movie. And yeah, I love that he's trying to... Cl it's not the planes that kills him. It's his own laziness and bad health that causes him to, like, die. Or not die, but fall off. Just like Mojo. <laughs> We should do a commentary track for the original King Kong, Amanda. No, thank you. You sure you don't want to join? That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, he climbs like two floors. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. I, I mean, I, I get it. You don't like it nearly as much, but I still enjoy it. And I'm, it, I will admit, it's the weaker, weakest of the three segments, but it's still fun. Yeah, I guess. I also love, like, and we didn't, we talked over it, but I love how, like, both of these segments, Dick Cabot born, um, I love the, how, like, both of these segments end with, the, like, the Love America style um, music and the closing, like, the closing um, iris being shaped like a heart. It's, like, it's yeah. very weird, but I love it. Yeah, and one, a rare appearance of um, Mr. Bouvier there, very briefly. Yes. very different than he did as a um, airline attendant. <laughs> So now we're on to, um, we're getting into the Dial Z for Zombies. I think this is one of the um, classic segments that, you know, people reference the most. Um, it has a lot of great jokes in it. It's great to have someone throwing an ashtray at Marge. Fruit is nature's candy. So, so classic, Marge. Yeah. Again, this is the one I think has, a, you know, when you really have good quote moments, good references and all that. <laughs> Grandpa having a heart attack and no one caring. <laughs> Too late. Uh, Grandpa Simpson. Yeah, but this one, um, 
could be arguably one of the first ones that doesn't have a specific parody in it. I mean, I guess you could say Evil Dead since they're reading from Necronomicon, but um, I feel like that's a little tenuous. It's mostly just a zombie parody, which is great. You know, remember when zombies weren't literally dominating the media landscape? That's right. Yeah. I love the lazy Waldo section. We're not even trying anymore. <laughs> This reminds me of the Page Master. Do you remember the Page Master? That's great. The best Christopher Lloyd Macaulay Culkin team up. I love how the book said "time by time life" on it. I've never noticed that. Oh, Snowball One. Oh. Wow. Yeah. I guess, I guess it makes sense that they, she that Snowball One died only very recently because they mentioned that in the pilot. Um, you know, we had a little sadness and a little gladness this year. So Snowball One died in 1989, I guess. So that's bullshit because it said 1990. I don't know. Some, I hope someone gets fired for that blunder. <laughs> How yeah. to raise the dead. I got it. Yeah. I don't know the audience. Um, yeah, like they're in the Springfield Cemetery and then the adjacent pet cemetery. <laughs> and I like how Bart like has a hat on it. It's just the thriller like album cover. Oh, all right, Pete for back. Walmart. Cal <laughs> Walmart. Hey Jacob. Yeah, just love inadvertently raising the dead exclusively in the cemetery next door. <laughs> and it's also great how we eventually see all these people are buried in Springfield, like George Washington and William Shakespeare. Groundskeeper Willie, fan favorite. I also love how apparently people are buried under the school. I also like that he's doing yard work in, in the middle of the night. When you live in a shack right off campus, you know, you might as well get some work. You take two feet off, you know, take two feet to your cabin and then you're done for the night. Mm. Love how stupid and nice Flanders is that he invites them in regardless. Yeah. And this back and forth is great where, um... Oh, Did you wreck the car? <laughs> no. Did you raise the dad? but the car's okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and this is also one of the rare ep like sp um, Halloween specials where it goes over the course of multiple days that like, you feel like the zombie apocalypse should then just be breaking down the door. It's like, no, we get one more day. Like, a full 24 hours goes by. This is great. Krusty <laughs> becoming a zombie, but he's still trying to, like, sell shit when he's a zombie. <laughs> I like that <laughs> the, the, the crew members drunk. Yeah. Run. yeah. Send me parents' brains. <laughs> Did you burn? I love that. <laughs> oh, I'm no. so lazy. <laughs> and then this is a great joke of um, they don't. There's nothing in there for him to take. Right. He's offended by it. <laughs> but yeah. It's, it's just great. I know we could just keep saying these jokes are great, but I mean, it really is a well-oiled um, machine at this point here. You know, they, it's nice to see if like these writers get to have so much fun and get to the book depository. 
um, I read that um, they considered the Marge and Chains moment when um, Marge is on trial and they show that, you know, the grassy knoll and they try and say that it's Marge's hair behind it. Mm-hmm. That that's the first JFK joke in cinema or in cinema or TV. But this came out before it. So to the book depository is a JFK reference. Mm. So update your Simpsons wikia. I like that um, they were like, you shot zombie Flanders. And he's like, zombie? <laughs> like, he was just like, he just wanted to shoot Flanders regardless. Yeah, that reminds me of the Cape Fear parody. Where like, he's like, they say, anyone that comes in the house, you can do whatever you need to. He's like, hey, Flanders, can you come over? You can't invite him in. Can you join me in my kitchen? <laughs> this is great. He hates Flanders so much. He just wants to shoot him or beat the shit out of him because everything turns out well for flanders and he's just a nice guy and that's very annoying (laughs) i love the episode uh, like i think it's like in season five or six where like he becomes flanders best friend and flanders starts hating his guts when he actually starts being nice to him yeah (laughs) and then yeah they have they have flanders like with a sniper rifle just shooting you there's a simpson there's a simpson I like the Flanders episodes a lot too. I think yeah. he's a great character. The left warring is great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just turning her into a snail. I love how the the shell color matches her um, dress. Yeah. It's a nice thing. And I love it doesn't immediately kill the zombies, it just sends them back to the grave. So they're like, okay, we'll go back. And then they're arguing which grave to go into. Right, yeah. This is a great joke with John Smith. I mean, they use Mayor Quimby a lot in these early ones. I forgot how often he pops up in these ones. Yeah. Uh, you can see there's a slight animation error there where they didn't finish painting the fence and you can see the grass and sky just bleeding over where the fence should have been. Yeah, interesting. And then, of course, we have this commentary about how TV turns people into zombies. Yeah. Very obnoxious, but yeah. yeah. So, All right, well, this has been our first episode looking at the first three episodes of Simpsons Trias Horror. Tune in next week when we'll do episodes four through six. I hope you had as much fun as my sister had making this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was yeah. good.